This is the Mental Debriefing Podcast with your hosts, Peter Tam and Leslie Q. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Mental Debriefing Podcast. With me, I have my co-host, Leslie. Hi, everyone. And we have a special guest, Eric. Hello. <laughs> okay, Eric. Eric, your last name is pronounced Chung. Okay. But what's the Spanish pronunciation? Oh, we say Cheung. Ooh. Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eric's a special guest because he has uh, he's a uh, Chinese guy. Um, and he uh, grew up in Venezuela. We uh, before we get to his uh, life story, I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> we should uh, discuss how we met. So, can I go first? Yes, go ahead, Leslie. Okay, so I met Eric on my first day working at State Farm. Um, actually, the first person that I met. Uh, well, I think you, you came up to me, yeah, you introduced yourself to me, and you were really, I remember you were really nice, and you offered to take me out to lunch, and so I went to lunch, and you were asking me, like, if I speak Spanish, I said yes, and I was really um, taken aback when you're like, oh, I speak Spanish too, and I was like, wait, you speak Spanish? And you were telling me that you're from Venezuela and everything, so that was pretty cool, and we actually found out that we had a friend in common which was, um, which is Martha. So that was, because you asked me, I, I went to Cal State Light. It was so weird how we, like, knew someone. Like, it was, it's such a small world. So that was how I first met Eric, and yeah, we've been friends ever since. I think we found out that we have somebody in common maybe mm-hmm. days later. Okay. After. Yeah, I don't know how, but we ended up, maybe more. after we became friends on Facebook. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. And then we saw, hey, wait, we, yeah. we you know this person? And yeah, so that was, that, was, that was funny. Yeah. But I actually don't remember that first part of taking you out to lunch. Yes, I remember. What did we have? I don't remember what uh. we had. But I remember we went out to lunch that first day. And then, and then because you were the only one in the training team, because everyone else on the training team was in Bakersfield at that time. So it was just you and I at that time, and then everyone came like a few days later because they, the tra- they were training in Bakersfield. So then a few days later is when I met um, Vienna, of course, and then everyone else was on the training team. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah the office was fun back then. There were so <laughs> many new people all the time, or new yeah. people to meet versus now. Versus it's now. it's yeah. just a lot of work. Yeah. Very different. Yeah, you get paid much better now. So you have to work more. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. good though, they give you a raise? Um, well, we've been well, getting raises every year. So oh, yes, okay. Yes, yes. It's just right. but, yeah, yeah, so um, me and Eric were in the same uh, processor training team together. He was. Uh, he came in like two weeks after me. A lot of people confuse the two of us because <laughs> we look the same. Because yeah. you had Well, at the, at the time, um, because Eric was, uh, I mean, he just got hired, so um, his hair length was at an appropriate length. So, <laughs> so, so our hair was similar also. And um, all the coworkers, they, they would like, oh yeah, hey Eric, and then they were talking to me. Or, or I was like, oh yeah, hey Peter, and then they were talking to Eric. It was really weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember how many times they had called me Peter in the office when we were in the same office. I think once uh, Peter went to a different office, mm-hmm. then uh, that's when, <laughs> when that stopped. Uh, but, well, well, by then Eric's hair had grown really long so they could tell us apart. But then they were calling me girl's name, so, so uh, that was funny too. It, it was just joking. just joking around. Uh-huh. It, it was a funny joke, though. Okay, so Eric, um, as we've touched up on, he has a, a bit of an interesting background because he grew up in Venezuela and he's uh, ethnically Chinese. So tell us your life story, Eric. Yeah, I mean, growing up in a 
different country where diversity is not as it is here in the U.S. is is very different. It's, it's, it was challenging for me at one point or another. Uh, if you have ever felt racism against you, uh, I have felt it. Uh, that's uh, that's. I mean, once you make friends and once they get to know you, then things are okay. Uh, but being the only Asian kid mm -hmm. in the whole class, it's just, it's very different. It's, you know, some people don't, uh, don't take it very well. How big was this town? Um, it's big enough, but uh, I mean, it's, uh, probably I wouldn't say it's too big. I, I knew most people uh, in, in town. Uh, at least in my area, but we lived in in the upper side or or the higher status side, and that also didn't help. Um, you know, being discriminated against in, in, in that way as well. Oh, um, I see. But once once you um once you get over that and you start knowing the people, I I, I think uh, now I miss it. I, I miss it a lot. I, I wish I could go back, but what do you obviously miss about Venezuela. You know, as much as I hated part of my childhood, the majority of my childhood I loved it. And I think I miss the people the most, my friends and, and things like that, because I guess I also left in a hurry mm -hmm. um, in those situations. Uh, I left thinking that I was going to go back. Mm -hmm. uh, so I so, never had closure. So how old were you during this whole time frame? Um, I was probably around... I lived there since I was four till I was 15, so uh, quite Where a while. Where did you live before that? Uh, I was a little bit of time in Hong Kong and a little bit of time in the U.S. Oh, okay. So there was, there was some time that I, I remember very little of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so most of, the, most of my childhood I remember in South America. Why did your family immigrate from Hong Kong to Venezuela? My dad, or my understanding is that my dad had uh, just a leap of faith and mm -hmm. thought he could make it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, and my dad had a few family uh, and friends in, that had already gone to Venezuela. And now at this point, he decided to also uh, take that chance. Mm -hmm. And I guess it worked out. Um, my parents and most of my family members are businessmen or business people in, in South America. Uh, so at, at that point, I was born in the U.S. when in one of those trips where my parent or my family decided to go to Hong Kong where I was supposed to be born, but then I guess I decided to come out early. And I was born in New York because of that. So, uh, yeah. So I, I was born in New York by accident, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, he's an anchor baby. Yeah. So at that point, I was actually supposed to go back to Hong Kong, but then once I was in Hong Kong, somehow they took me back to Venezuela, and I, I grew up there. What's your What was your uh, favorite foods in Venezuela? Oh man, so many. Uh, I mean, everyone everyone know arepas, right? I guess maybe not. What? They're kind of uh, they're kind of like the Venezuelan pupusas. You know what pupusas are? Yes. Um, but it's a different version of it, I guess. You can kind of put anything in between it, but they're kind of look that way. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, the empanadas are are, are great. Uh, they're a little different than Argentinian empanadas, mm -hmm. uh, but most of the traditional food are, are great. So. Cool, cool. <laughs> okay, and so eventually you um, landed in Southern California, is that correct? Yes. Why, why did your family immigrate here? You said that it was kind of in a hurry. Was there like a more going on or with political reasons? But this is actually the time when <clears throat> things were going bad. I, I mean, most mm -hmm. people know it's pretty bad out there right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess my dad um, 
caught the very beginning of it and decided that this is a time for him to get out of there. What were the and, red But for me, him? well, actually, I don't know. Oh. Uh, I know business has always been doing well for him, and I was very shielded from most of these things because I was young. Um, I had most things that most kids didn't have. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I, I had no idea that things were going bad mm -hmm. until I kind of read it back in the news that things were going bad. I was really naive and as I was there because mm -hmm. I had everything. So I, I guess that's the part that I, that's why I miss it so much because I don't have a negative view of it, of, of when things were bad. Um, but I guess it, it actually, my dad, I guess, took the right decision and decided to, to, to come. So he foresaw what was coming and decided it was best yeah. for you and your family? To Correct. Okay. Now, did you live like in a house or what was your living situation there? Oh. Or was it yeah. like in a tower? Or? No, no. <laughs> I. I they yeah they they have both kinds but yeah we 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 lived in a <laughs> well not exactly a hut we had a, a five bedroom hut <laughs> uh, with three backyards <laughs> yeah so no it, it, yeah we we lived in a regular house uh, most houses in the area where we lived um, was very similar to uh, American houses. Because this is the area where Americans used to come uh, to that country and, and work for the oil fields or the oil corporations. So a lot of these houses were built in that style for for the American. And then we end up buying one of those houses um, at one point. So our houses look very similar. Yeah, suburban style. Yeah, correct. So when your family came here, where did they... Where did they end up? Like, where did they settle? Was it in California? We ended up in San Gabriel. So oh, that was okay. the... Actually, I'll take that back. We ended up in Temple City. Mm -hmm. um, but I went to high school in San Gabriel. San Gabriel High. For my first year. What was that like? And, well, actually, that was... That was okay. That was really good because most of the classes were in Spanish. What? Yeah, I had... This is when L.A. used to have more Spanish mm -hmm. classes in their program. Mm -hmm. So your science classes, your history classes were, some, were in Spanish. Um, so there wasn't, the transition for me was pretty easy, especially in that area where, uh, where there's a lot more Hispanic uh, in that area. Now the uh, Chinese people have invaded that area, so there's Correct. less Hispanic people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. How were you treated? How were you and your family treated when you came um, here? You know, I have to say that if I remember correctly, I felt a, that people were a little less um, racist, actually. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, the other way around. I thought it would be mm -hmm. less welcoming. But I, I guess because of the diversity in the U.S., uh, I actually felt more welcome than, uh, than I thought I would. But then, you know, the whole time... I wasn't even, my mind wasn't even here most of the time. I, I was always thinking that I was going to go back. Okay, so after your first year, what happened? Uh, after my first year in San Gabriel, my parents decided to buy a business in Orange County. Uh, actually, by Disneyland. And my parents used to own a liquor store uh, around that area. Uh, so that's when we decided to move to Orange County, and uh, and then that's when I changed school to to go to school here. So cool, cool. And then, um, did you have any intentions of eventually going back to Venezuela when you went to college, or um, you're just gonna? Hang out in California. No, I I think once you get established here in the U.S., um, it's, it's hard to go back. Um, I think life could be a little too short for me to start over at this point. Um, even though I could, and every everybody that wants to take that leap of faith and um, decide to start something new, they should. Uh, but for me, my own opinion is that I I wouldn't. I 
I don't think it's worth it unless things were going really bad for me here or, or going that way. But uh, I don't see that happening. Well, I was listening now. I was like, <laughs> I was talking about like 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, 15 years ago. Um, Let's say you just graduated. You, you went to Valencia, right? Correct. Okay, yeah, we went to rival high schools also uh, in the same city. But, um, yeah, so you just graduated Valencia. Did you have any intentions of going back to South America at that point, or were you just going to No, I, I, I don't think so. At, at that point, I was just way too integrated into the American society at that point. Um, I had made friends. You know, I had, like, this is when your interest in girls starts, so there was no way to take off at this point. So, so no, the, the, the... I'm sure you were also really involved in your, in the family business, right? Uh, yeah, somewhat. mentioning that you used to work with your dad, because he's had more than one business, he had multiple, he has had multiple businesses, Correct. right? Yeah. yeah, so, so yeah, we were, we're pretty involved in that business as well. Um, after that business, my dad um, sold that and we bought a, a supermarket, uh, and that was very involved. I mean, it was it was huge, so there was a lot of things to do. Um, and with my parents, uh, I guess limited language skills in English, uh, they did require a lot of uh, our help, me and my brother. Okay, and then. How did you end up in your current place of employment? What made you decide to become an insurance industry professional? I guess this is when I was running out of money uh, after taking a little bit of uh, leap year and, and not working. And, and how old and were you at this point? Uh, I had just graduated a year ago. Well, not, I guess not just graduated. A year ago, I would have I graduated when I was 20. Three, and I had decided to, uh, you know, take this leap year and travel around and, and do absolutely nothing. And this is when I decided, okay, I, I needed to to find something stable and an office job. I guess I was uh, trying to be a a good Asian and, and you know work. To Asian work. parents. Which is not uncommon for other cultures to take. A year off, right? Like six months. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily after college, but between like high school and college, uh, different um, I'm not sh- culture states sure. take time off. Did you, did you take a time <laughs> no, off? No, I didn't. <laughs> Why I not? Heard. Well, well, um, do you wish you did? I wish I did take some time off between high school and college so I could travel and figure out like what I really wanted to do, like what I'm passionate about. I think that's important for people to travel and see the world. But I had responsibilities at home. My dad, you know, at the time, he needed help taking care of my younger sibling, so I couldn't do that. I had to help out with the family. But do you think um, somebody just graduating from high school, uh, at this point they're 17, 18 years old, mm-hmm. do you think they would have the capacity to actually not only financially, but actually to think about what they want in college at that point, or what they want for themselves? Well, you're still really, I mean, you're still very, very young, but it exposes you to a lot of different experiences and different cultures, so you're a lot more um, worldly in that sense. I don't think that you're going to know exactly what you want to do, but I think it gives you a better idea of what you may want to do, rather than just going from high school straight into college and you're just taking classes that they tell you that you need to take, which you know, a lot of times are a waste of time and you're wasting your money. So, Sure, you, you end up with a degree that you didn't really want to have, just, you yeah. end up having just because you do with, with the society things. tells you right, exactly. that you, you have to have one. Right. Sure. Yeah, that's, um, a lot of it is like, you don't know what you don't know at that point because your your thinking is well at least for me personally because I had a very structured childhood so a lot of it's like school 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 and then everything's very grade driven especially in Asian cultures 
or or the Asian American culture. So then you don't really think about, um, oh yeah, I want to. You don't think about the long term consequences of what you your decision of what major you want to choose. So you just oh yeah, I'm just gonna choose something whatever, and then. Obviously, now that we're older, and then we've been in the workplace, we can look back and see that certain majors can lead to certain different pathways. Whereas when you're younger, it's you're more concerned with、um, it's more school oriented because you're not you're not exposed to the professional world as much.、Mm-hmm. So everything's about school and getting good grades, and then it's like now like let.、Uh, The thinking was back then. Oh yeah, if you major in philosophy or whatever, you know that's a useless major, whatever. But then, but then if philosophy, it actually helps you think of things in a different perspective. So maybe it's not a useless major. And then, you know, I was a business major, and then、um, I was like, oh yeah, that's a useful major, whatever. But then the real way to learn business is actually in the real world. So the the things you think were useful. You don't know about that because you're 18 years old, but、um, I know that's a bit of a tangent. But now that we're older, we can look back and see. Oh, I made this decision, and it might not have been the greatest. So, Peter, what made you go into the insurance industry? Well, I was、um, I focused on accounting, and、um, well, actually, I have two degrees. I have a、uh, master's degree also, but.、Um, Both in business, I was supposed to be an accountant, but and then I did some, I did some temp work. Then I did,、um, I also did tax services like tax returns, like the easy ones,、um, for one of these、uh, Liberty Tax places. But then I got fired from a temp job. I switched temp jobs. I switched from a good one to to Mazda. I hate Mazdas. No offense.、Um, And then I got fired. I'm offended. I'm offended.、Uh, I I got fired from Mazda in three days because they were looking for a secretary, and I don't have secretarial skills, especially at that point. So I got fired from that. I was in desperation mode, and then I remember I I, I previously had had a interview with State Farm for a claim reposition. Yes, I've exposed. Yes, we can re-edit that <laughs> later. But um, yeah. And then I bombed out of that, but then I had、um, Liz, Liz Smith, Liz,、uh, the HR person. I I still had her email, so I was like, oh yeah, I can crawl back again and apply for a processor. So she welcomed me, and then we had another interview, and then I ended up at State Farm. But it was supposed to be a, a temporary thing, and then it lasted for nine and a half years. So at that point, you were just looking for something. Uh, correct. Just like most of us here. I、uh, guess.、Okay. okay. So yeah, no, no one really looks for、uh, to work anyone, for an insurance yeah, industry, well, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be some kind of an insurance、uh, yeah. adjuster. Well, the something like that. Unless you want to be an actuary, I think those are the only people who like, yeah, I actually wanted this job. But see, my my opinion, the people that want to be an actuary or actuarial. It's because of how much they pay. That profession pays really well, and I think it,、yeah. it's the only thing that makes it attractive enough for people to jump in it. Well, the because dis- otherwise you would have never thought about it. Well, well, the description of the claims, it's you know, there's I was drawn to the investigative side. Yeah, it is interesting work. I mean, I. I have to say, it was very interesting, and we have we learned a lot from working there. Except I'm paranoid now, you know, everywhere you go. Oh, <laughs> really? I'm no, I'm not. I'm、oh. just joking around. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs>、um, I want to comment back that,、um, you know, you said that certain cultures they take a year off, but、um, I said that. Leslie said that.、Um, Yeah, that didn't happen in my family at all. It was like you need to go get a job. Yeah, well, and then they have the speech, you know,、um, you know, I, I'm I'm a senior citizen now, and then you st- you're still unemployed, blah blah blah. So there's a lot of that too. Well, you know, listeners know Peter and I are Asians, and Leslie's not.、Uh, but you will. I don't know if you have heard the the. 
the word uh, Jappy, young Asian professional. I have, oh, yeah, I so if that. you ever, uh, you can look this up and it just, it, it, it is, oh, I know what what it is, it's just very, uh, uh, being a good Asian, I guess. Yeah. They're, they're very uh, structural ways of, of doing things, you know, after you, you go to college, you graduate, you, you know, you, you, you do certain things. You know, yeah, Wong Wang Fu had a, uh, they're making a series about about that. Term. Yes, 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 and yes. actually it, it's really good. But um, I, you know, I'm not your typical, as you, as you guys are well aware, I'm not your typical young Asian professional. <laughs> I'm like the complete freaking opposite. And then, and then, you know, that, that's affected me in different ways, obviously, you know, from dating to professional life to everything you know uh, why would you say so i mean if i mean you're aware that i'm not uh, very <laughs> typical in many ways for one i ended up at state farm that was non-typical two i have a very you know i i don't i have friends that are a varied uh, ba- ethnic backgrounds you know, I I like uh, truck stops and uh, cowboy stuff and country music and Latin music and Latin dance. So I, I a lot of my, I mean, I'm just myself. But then that doesn't fit the mold of. I'm not the clean cut Asian that uh, Asian American that I guess Asian Asian American society wants me to be. So it's kind of odd, but yeah, it's life. I'm an American. But it's not something that you want to be. You want to be yourself, right? Yes. But I, it, I just want to mention, because we were talking about the gap year. So um, I, I was like, where did I get that from? They actually do that in Australia. So they will take a year off from high school, um, high school going into college, and then they'll like volunteer, go like on, you know, go to different countries. Um, and they even might, uh, sorry, I'm like looking this up, but that's where I got it from. They take gap years in, in Australia. You see, I, I think that's such a young age mm-hmm. to, to do it that I, I would probably disagree of doing it at, at, around that time. Yeah, it makes sense after college, right? Um, well, not after college, but perhaps somewhere in between college. Um, you have to take your core classes anyways, you know, your general education classes, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what career you, you end up in mm-hmm. anyway. So yeah, I think after the first two years of college, I think that would be a great time uh, for, for people to, to take that leap year. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a legal age to work. Uh, so you could actually earn some money before you take off on a trip or, and, and enjoy it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that, and your brain perhaps is a little more developed. You have known more people from college mm-hmm. um, and different experiences because when you go to college, you are no longer seeing just your your friend from the neighborhood. You are now seeing friends from everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that exposes you to some things already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... If they do it after somewhere in between the two years of college, I think, or after community college, before you actually end up having to choose your actual, uh, I guess, career that you were going to take, I think that's the best time. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, I'm not a big. Uh, I don't think travel is the cure all for all all ills in this world, but um, yeah, it helps. It helps broaden your perspective. I do regret not going to. Um, England for for study abroad. I regret um, not going going to University of Texas or someplace or, or UNLV or UC Davis. Uh, I was going to go to UC Davis, then my parents were afraid that um, or or my dad was uh, that I was because my I didn't get re- accepted to Davis so. The, you know, they send you that thing. Oh, yeah, you can take two years of community college, then apply. But then my dad thought I was so dumb that 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 um, I couldn't even get to UC Riverside after two years of community college. So he said, oh, yeah, just go to UCR. And then um, I really should have just went to UC Davis or UNLV or somewhere. So, um, so see, your, your dad was wrong. You were really smart. 
Um, you actually have a I master. don't know about really, but... <laughs> yeah, you're smarter than the average. Um, you if you have yeah, if you have more than a bachelor degree, you are above average. Well, there's there's a difference between smart and well educated. I'm I'm educated, but you know I'm a, I'm a freaking idiot sometimes. <laughs> we I, I think we're all ignorant <laughs> and idiots sometimes. But you are very smart, Peter. Thank you, Leslie. Um, I I just wanna since we were talking about identity, um, and this uh, young Asian professionals, I wanna bring it back to you because. Um, you obviously are a bit, your background is a bit more different than your typical, uh, San Gabriel Valley, uh, young Asian professionals. So how do you feel that you fit into modern Asian society? Well, I, I think I didn't. Um, I, I honestly had no idea what I was, I guess, supposed to do. Um, I think it was, it Luckily for my parents, they never, they were never too, uh, they never pressured me to actually, oh, you you graduate college and you, you have to do this or you have to do that or, or you know, talking about typical or being a doctor or being an engineer or something like that. It, it was never pressuring to us to, we actually got to do whatever I wanted, which is, I, I guess you can call it a little more westernized compared to most Asian Asian people actually are pressured to be some kind of a doctor or engineer. Um, yeah, professional. Correct. And for my parents, or I was, I guess I was lucky in that way. Um, so luckily for my parents, uh, they they just let me find my own situation, my own. Uh, I found my own work. Um, so everything that I have done so far. Um, have been my own choice, um, so I guess I got it, it. Was a very a little different than your upbringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's my dad was a bit more laissez-faire. Well, career-wise, my dad was um, less laissez-faire, and he was very. Uh, I mean, because I have several. Because he comes from a family of six. You know, he has six. Um, He's one of six siblings, and then so we get compared to our cousins a lot, and then it's always, you know, we're on the short end of the stick. Because <laughs> because my dad's like the smart, like the uh, he's like the smartest one out of those six, and the most successful. But then his kids are like the opposite. <laughs> so it's it's been kind of um, you know I feel for my dad because. Um, he was the smartest one, and then his kids kind of went off and did not uh, fulfill whatever Asian legacy or whatever whatever Chinese legacy was supposed to occur. But you know, in this life, you know, you can't you have to um, pave your own path, and you need to fulfill your own destiny. And it's less about you know, what your parents want anymore, because we're obviously beyond that age now. So. In the modern society and all these, you know, I, I'm just myself. I don't like to talk about race a lot, and I feel the media talks about race way too much because everybody's an individual at the end of the day, so everybody's different. Um, so, you know, CNN and all these places, they like to talk about race every five minutes, and then they group people, these people, all white people, all Asian people, you know. But actually, every person's different, so you can't really... Uh, generalize too much even though you know I I do like to um I think a lot of people share a lot in common um based on their backgrounds but everyone still is an individual and I like to be treated as one as well were you pressured by your parents to be some kind of uh other type of professional no they knew I'm well they knew my my uh my dad really wanted me to be an accountant because I said oh yeah I'm focusing on accounting and then my dad got my dad got really excited he was like oh yeah Ernst and Young uh, Deloitte blah 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 you know the big four he wanted me to have one of those jobs the audit jobs where you uh you know for four months a year you don't you basically work 15 hours a day so he wanted that type of lifestyle for me but I decided against that and in my act of rebellion, I joined State Farm, so I don't know. 
but but then when I decided to leave State Farm, it was more. Um, then he wanted me to stay at State Farm because it was stable, and then I'm going to the uh, to a more entrepreneurial, more unstable route as a realtor. So I don't know. They had my my father had a lot of. Um, he wanted me to be a professional, and then I am a professional now, but. It's in a very unstable career, so whatever. But you you are proud of those achievements, right? I, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, you ha- you can't regret your past because, you know, one wrong turn, yeah, and then, and then you know, you, you might not be alive. So, so would you call you this know, change of career a, a wrong turn? No, I mean not that. I mean. Because I regretted not quitting sooner and getting in, becoming a realtor sooner and all that stuff. So, but you can't regret that. Everything happens for a reason. So it's it's been a exciting exciting time. But back to you, sir. What about me? <laughs> you sense you're uh, you have uh, limited time now at your current employment. Um, do you have any future plans, career-wise? Um, no, I don't. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, a different leap of fate that Maybe I'm... Maybe you could take your gap year now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so another one. <laughs> so, and, and yes, I actually do plan on, on taking some time off okay. uh, after this. Uh, so I've been preparing for that, I guess. Uh, but no, I, I don't have any career plans. Um, at this age, I think this is the time where I want to do something completely different than what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned a lot, um, not only doing the work, but I also uh, you know, met more people and, and things like that. So I, I have no idea. I, I really do not know um, what's out there for me yet. Um, I think I am pretty sure I'll end up in a similar job where I'm in a, some kind of a 9 to 5. Um, not necessarily because I want to, but I do enjoy the stability. Um, and unfortunately, it seems like those are the jobs out there. Although the I paycheck. do not agree. Yeah, correct. I, I do not agree with that type of, of job. But it is what it is. It's not something that I can completely, I guess, change. Um, I think e- even a job that you might love doing do are still some kind of a nine to five. It might not be nine to five. It could be. Yeah, it might be ten. worse. Yes. You know. Yeah, it could be worse. Does so it have to do with you experiencing like instability with your with your family's businesses that they have? I was um, wondering like where that comes from because you're saying that you want like a stable nine to five job, which makes sense. I, I think most people do. So I'm wondering like why that's so important to you. And I'm thinking, well, your parents were entrepreneurs. So maybe seeing the fluctuations in their businesses is something that you don't want to have to go through. You're right. There, there might be something there um, that is influencing me to, to choose that path. Um, but I think it's more of how the how the U.S. is a, a structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, as why well, you know everything is a monthly payment. Everything is is a way of um, everything is so well structured that you have to also structure yourself in one way or another in order for you to to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have no structure right now. <laughs> well, I, I, unfortunately. Um, you know, pay, paying the mortgage, you got to do it every month. That's 100% um, correct. Yeah, so it's just, and the only way to do it and to gain that stability or that peace of mind um, that I can think of, either you make a lot of money uh, or you just have to have some kind of a stable job to continue on. Yeah. Um, but I hope I'll find what I want to do because, you know, after even going to college, 10 years in a career, knowing what's out there, I still don't know what I want to do. I, I think don't. that's also very admirable of people to, you know, 
do something that they're not necessarily passionate about, but they want the stability. Like for example, my dad is very hardworking. He's been working for the same company for almost 30 years, and he likes, he enjoys what he does. But I'm sure it's not something that he um, is necessarily passionate about. But he has to take care of his family and he has to pay the bills. So he's been doing that job for you know for a long time, and I, there's, that's very a very admirable quality. But see, I don't dislike my job. I don't hate it. Uh -huh. um, I don't necessarily like it either. Yeah. But I do like what is being provided to me uh -huh. because of it. Um, so there is something that I am gaining out of it. Uh, I am gaining what is you know after the five o'clock, I guess, uh -huh. um, after that paycheck, you know, paying my bills and being able to. Uh, go to a restaurant and, and look at the right side of the menu uh, only without having to, to know the price and just be able to, to have that stability. Someone's it's, balling it's, it's here. Great. Um, I wouldn't be able to do that without, without, without it. Um, so this, this stability that that is provided to me, it, it, I think, like I said, it can only be provided if you can have that stable paycheck or, or you know that next Friday you're going to get paid the same amount that you got paid last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, found that out the hard way. But um, anyway, switching gear here. Switching gears here. We'll uh, bring up two topics here. Um, who here is a dog owner? Me. Am I the only one? You are the only one. I I, I used yeah. to have... I grew up with dogs, uh -huh. but I don't have... Uh, any dog. Okay. I have cats. The, the cats count? Cats don't count. We're cats. talking yeah. about dogs. I have two. Um, I have my parents' house. Oh. Yeah. That doesn't count. It does count. I see them every day. Oh, I, every other day. Yeah. <laughs> when I see them. Anyways, why? Okay. Um, do you think that Americans mm -hmm. coddle their dogs too much? Do they cuddle their dogs? Uh, coddle. coddle. Oh. Oh. Not cuddle, coddle. Oh, I thought. Oh, okay. Maybe cuddle too. Yeah, well, that too. Sleeping with her in the same bed as her dog. I think a lot of people are very emotionally attached to their 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 pets more than maybe before. And the reason I say this is because um, at my work, some of our patients are encouraged to get like a, a therapy dog to help them cope with their emotions. Or to remind them to do basic daily activities like eat or um, you know like go out for a walk and stuff like that. So I think that pets are now play a more important role in people's lives than maybe before. I don't know. Well, maybe no, they they always did. But I think that's why people coddle their dogs or their pets so much because they play such an important role in their lives. I agree. Um, and then. Do you feel that because now that more people don't have children, that their dogs... Yes, that's also another big reason. I think people don't have children because it's so expensive. Uh, oh. yeah. Well, the reason I bring this up is, um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm on my Facebook doing things I shouldn't do on Facebook, which is <laughs> getting into conversations that I shouldn't be. So there was a... Uh, there was a post regarding, oh yeah, it's so hot right now, that the pavement's so hot um, for your dog. And then they're like, um, the, the thread starter said uh, she saw the, someone walking their dog and the dog looked miserable because it was so hot outside and they shouldn't be walking their dog in hot weather. And then it was like, uh, you know, it wasn't like crazy hot, it was like 85. Oh. And then... So everyone's like, oh, yeah, the pavement's hot, blah, 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 blah. And then I made a joke. I was like, so <laughs> so, so I guess 20 states in uh, the southern U.S., they don't have a chance to walk their dogs for six months out of the year. And then everyone got super offended by that. <laughs> don't they have dog shoes? They do yeah. have dog shoes. Yeah, maybe they can just um, put some dog shoes on and the problem solved. Because, I mean, it's like, it was 85 out and then they're complaining about how another person is walking their dog. Isn't that BS? Well, I, I, I think they're they're talking about how hot the pavement gets because it does 
burned their paw. I agree with that, but then it wasn't a very hot day, and then how, how do people walk their dogs in Las Vegas then, or Phoenix, where it, it's like the whole day is, including nighttime, is more than eighty. It's like in a hundred. Sure. So I mean, it don't don't make sense. So I think I think dogs are actually tough animals, and they're probably more tough than a lot of humans, and. I don't know. I turn the AC on for my dogs oh, in the Lord. garage when it gets too hot, because it it does get really hot in California. So I I do feel bad for them. And it's extremely well, hot. Well, it is extremely hot, and and they do yeah. they don't have the same. And then they uh, have fur too. Yeah, they. So then they can get over. They don't sweat. Yeah. Yeah, like humans. Sorry. So sorry, Peter. We are uh, both disagreeing with you at this point. Yeah, um, but dogs yeah. should be treated like. Five-year-old kids. That's uh, that's my opinion. But aren't dogs like really hardy though? Wait. wait. Like resilient. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are. But it, it doesn't mean that um, you can treat them. You know, it, it, they they can't talk. They they do what you ask them to do. I may have to edit this uh, portion out because it's becoming very unpopular. This uh, <laughs> topic of dogs. No, leave it in. Um. So I'm I'm gonna. But maybe we should explore the topic of why people are not. Or you're saying that oh, people are. Okay, not you can edit this part. I mean, this this podcast is turning kind of like a radio sh- show <laughs> situation, kind of like Howard Stern or something like that, which is fine. I mean, where you have uh, we're still discussion and, uh, up and down. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so uh, onward to our uh, question of the week. Oh yeah. Um, someone has written me our first uh, fan email. Really? Leslie. Um, I didn't write it. No, I'm telling you that we have our first oh, fan email. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> so a fan of Leslie or a fan of yours? Um, a, a fan, fan of the podcast. A fan of this podcast. Oh. Okay. Oh, who wrote it? Anonymous. Anonymous. Okay. Okay, so apparently she had a debate with a, a guy about um, because we live in a uh, quote-unquote equal society. Mm-hmm. Who she wanted to ask who should pay on a first date, the who, man or the woman, assuming that it's a, a heterosexual type of situation. Mm-hmm. Man takes girl out, they have dinner. And a movie. So my gut reaction is that a man should pay, but I'm also questioning where does that come from? Like, why are we conditioned to think that way? And I'm thinking that it might be because it used to be a sign that a man, you know, could provide for a woman and he had the economic stability to, you know... uh, take care of her or whatnot, but things are very different now, so should the man be expected to pay? I don't know. I think it came from the fact that women didn't work in the past, Mm -hmm. and only the man, so how could you expect, you know, the woman to pay if she wouldn't have had any money if she wouldn't work? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's where it came from, Mm -hmm. but you're right, in today's society where both sexes are working. Right. Should he be expected to to pay uh, when they're both willing to go to the state? They're both going. Mm-hmm. They're both saying yes to the date. They're both willing participants. Yeah. What did yeah. you say about a woman? We're, let's say we're talking about a um, a heterosexual couple. Just for this. Yes. Example. Yes. 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 Um, but what does it say about a woman if she offers to pay? Oh, I love it. <laughs> but what is well, it we're, about we're, we're talking about a first date here, so... I love it as well. Okay, and not pay for the whole thing, but like half of it, right? Because I think that's what we're talking about, like paying half of the bill. Like, I pay for my portion, you pay for your portion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or the whole or, thing, who knows? Or, thing. Or, or, or help to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or at least do the reach to mm-hmm. let me help. Well, yeah, there's a lot of... Um, as you're... As y'all are very aware of, I've been on a lot of first dates, mm-hmm. and it's expected. Uh, there's there's several types of uh, situations. 
there's one where the girl really does want to pay because she was late or whatever, uh, and then she wants to make it up, oh yeah, I'll pay for this. Then that's the only time that I allow myself to, to let her pay. Um, because there's a lot of times where they, um, it's like a test, or like, oh yeah, they pretend to reach into their purse, and then, but then at the end you have to pay for it anyways, because they're just pretending. Do you appreciate, though, that they offered to pay? Does that mean anything? It, it doesn't mean anything to me. I noticed you say, um, I allow them to pay. So what does that mean? You actually want to pay? Or do you do it because you want to or because you do it because society tells you that the man should pay? Well, we can, we can discuss semantics here, but... Um, I've had ex- I've had a you know I won't say early on but I've had a few dates and these were like the second third dates where so there's this place in Ontario that uh, it's a pool hall and then we played pool or whatever and then you know it's like oh yeah whoever wins you know pays for dinner and it's like oh yeah okay cool whatever so, so then you know I beat her in pool and then we go to dinner at a Sabu Sabu place, and then at the end, the bill comes, you know, and then there's the whole, uh, you know, I think she was expecting to pretend that, uh, you know, she was expecting me to pay at the end, so she reaches in her purse and gets her, gets her little wallet out and, and pays, and, and, and then I, did, I, I just sit there, and then, and then she ended up paying for it, and then there was no further dates after that because I didn't pay. How do you know that it was because it, of just that? It was because of just that. She paid for all of it. Yes, Not be, for because the the pool game. Oh, that's right. Yes. So from then on, I was like, you know, I I don't want to take any more chances, even if I don't like the girl or whatever. I don't want it be because I can't afford to buy a coffee or I can't afford to pay for dinner or something something very basic you don't want your whole relationship to go down the tubes just because you can't afford 20 bucks right so I I tend to try to pay as often as possible the only situation where I don't really fight it is is because you only pay because you're afraid if you don't you won't get a second date with someone that you possibly like I mean, those are the rules, so what can you do about it? Well, I'm not sure if these are the rules. Actually, uh, I, that we're talking about this topic, I actually was reading about an experiment that they were doing. I forgot what university was this. But they were showing uh, photos of men to a bunch of women, and they would actually grade these people on how attractive they were based on the profession that they had. And these pictures had a profession that are, you know, such as bartending or something like that. And then they would change the profession with the, using the same photo to doctor or, you know, oncologist or something like that. And it was shown that just by changing their profession, it showed that the woman rated these men more attractive just because of the different profession. Um, and they related this back, or related this back to science, to how women would actually want a man that is able to take care of himself, take mm-hmm. care of her, uh, financially in a way. But also, I think not only take care of her, but their future family. Correct. Because sometimes what happens is, and this is a traditional, you know. Um, family like the woman stays home traditionally and takes care of the children so traditionally women were looking for or maybe still looking for a man who could provide and take care of their family but that's not necessarily the case anymore now right both men both you know the mother and the father are working because they need a dual income to take care of the family so they concluded it for stability Uh that the women were actually looking for stability not necessarily that they were hungry for money or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it actually showed stability to, uh, to to her. Or, mm-hmm. And I think that's where paying on the first date makes a little bit of sense mm-hmm. um, because it actually shows 
heard that oh okay he's able right um it, it's not necessary but not I think that it's necessary but the fact that he's able to makes it it makes him more attractive i think so what did they do the opposite like where they showed pictures of women to males they oh i'm curious well there, there was one talking about um uh, the woman's figure or breast size or something. Yeah, men are more uh, more more visual and visually. And that did give um, more attractiveness to. Mm-hmm. But it, and they related it back. Not necessarily that has to do with uh, with sexual, but it had to do with reproduction. Okay. Uh, they, they the man relates that with the fact that she's able to um, uh, to to reproduce. In a, in a way, but it's all psychologically and biologically embedded, not necessarily that uh, they had a sexual arousal or something like that because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not necessarily like their intention mm-hmm. of it. So what you're saying is men are attracted to women with wider hips. Yes. Uh, and, that, and, and now now we know that it doesn't necessarily mean that they can produce or not produce so mm-hmm. uh, just the same way that we're talking about you know paying on the first date it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not able to so are you saying it's like a primitive instinct I think that so. we're evolutionary, yeah, evolutionary. I, I believe so okay. Makes sense. did we answer the question though as far as yes who should pay Leslie <laughs> why to me so we're going ladies first I guess so if, if you if, if if uh, uh-huh. if somebody takes you out on a first date, um, who, who do you expect him to pay? Well, well, she's well, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Um. Do you mind that he wouldn't pay? I know you haven't been in a dating pool for a long time. Mind, I would mind if he didn't pay at all. I wouldn't mind going half and half. Like if this is a first date with someone. I pay half, he pays half. Like that wouldn't bother me, but I would have a problem paying for the whole thing by myself because it's, I'm not gonna pay for your meal you know, for your meal as well. Um, so I would be okay with paying for half for my meal. Since I never actually went on a date with you, that first date that you were talking about when I met you, <laughs> who paid for that one? No, we paid. No, we. Oh, okay. I, didn't, no, I paid okay. for mine. So like, we just, just went asking. to lunch. Like, no, we just went to the same like place. I mean, we went together, but I paid for my food and you paid for yours. Because yeah, so that makes sense. For the record, that was not a date. No, that was not a date. Eric's a friendly guy. <laughs> but then I guess I'm also thinking about. I'm willing to only pay half, but why is the expectation that the man is supposed to pay for all of it, right? For some people, like for some women. So you still um, wouldn't be offended if he not wouldn't pay, right? You at all? No, wouldn't pay for his his portion. Uh, correct, not not at all. So, so if, he, if I pay for everything. Yes. Well, I would I guess wonder why I would have to pay for everything. Um. So what if he promises you for a second date and he, <laughs> he forgot his wallet? Oh my goodness. Oh, Would but you? if he forgot his wallet. Yeah, that's a good excuse. Uh-huh. There's been times when uh, that similar situation occurs and then the, the woman decides to pay for it and then they end up getting married. So sometimes those little things uh-huh. that actually works out. There's so many different variables. Like, for example, what type of... Um, do I have a connection with this person? Um, did we message one another beforehand? What kind of vibes do I get from this person? So all of that has to be taken into consideration before I make that decision. Because if I don't like this person and I don't want to go on a second date, then i rather just pay for my meal and cut my losses, but I'm not going to pay for the whole thing. So for our listeners here, that, that's a sign. If she decides that she only wants to pay for her own meal, she might not want to go on a second date. Yeah, that's another thing, because if they, oh yeah, I'm just going to pay and then take off. Yeah, I, I think they, I, I, I think they might have a, uh, I don't want to owe this person anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in a bad way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but 
I, I'm not going to go on a second date with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it's a form of polite rejection. And no, not... I, I disagree. Because I think when I first started dating Frank, and he will correct me if I'm wrong, I think I did like pay for half, or no, I may have just offered mm-hmm. to pay. <laughs> the offer. <laughs> but I think it shows, I think the woman is also trying to show, it might be that the woman is also trying to show that she doesn't want to take advantage of this person, isn't looking just for a free meal, or looking for someone to take care of her, so she's also trying to show that she's independent, and that she doesn't need someone to take care of her. She wants to be in a relationship where everyone's contributing equally, and um, takes their fair share of the responsibility of being in a committed relationship. Uh, that could be another reason why a woman offers to pay for her meal. That's a good reason. Would you know that in your first date, though? Mm-hmm. If you, if a woman really likes the other person, I, I don't know. I'm just speaking for myself. If I really like someone and I want to show that person that. I am responsible, I'm not looking to take advantage of anyone, and I am independent, I would offer to pay for my meal. Because I, I see this as a potential partner, like lifetime partner. Mm, interesting. Okay. What about you, Peter? Well, well I've, I've uh, told, told you what I thought already, which okay. is I have to pay man or what even if i don't like the person those are the rules laid laid out by modern dating society not modern society just just the dating society um yeah yeah you know i'm a nice guy and i'm taking part of their time also so if even if there's no second Mm -hmm. date i'm just gonna go pay for it um of course if if they want to offer it and then because they were late or whatever then uh, I'm not gonna fight too hard to mm-hmm. to pretend to pay, but um, it's all a game at the very beginning. But do then you, you enjoy can... it. Do you enjoy paying it, uh, or do you? I don't know. Eric, do you think it's very telling if someone you're well, obviously not anymore, but if you were dating, if someone offers to pay versus someone who doesn't offer to pay, like? Does that say anything about that person? Yes, just uh, uh-huh. I I think just the same way um, that you kind of described it. Uh, I think when somebody offers to pay, at least that's the offer. It gives me a a sign that um that they might not be here just for a free meal. Uh-huh. Um, that they are willing to to contribute. Uh-huh. Um, that we both enjoyed our time together. Um, enjoy the meal or, you know, if we went to the movies or something like that. And especially in, in that situation, usually on a date, you have some activity and then you have dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if the activity was paid by uh, by the guy already, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be nice um, if the girl were to offer to pay, but I personally would expect it. Yeah, then you get that um, whole 50-50 thing going, so yeah, so, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, no matter who, I think both people should offer to pay, like their half, right? Like every, like both should say, okay, I'll pay half, yes. and then if one person is like, no, no, it's okay, I will pay for it, and is insistent, then that's okay, but I think as a, initially, both people should offer to pay. Uh, yes, I, I think so, because I, I most of the time, is a guy asking a girl out, mm-hmm. um, and it's usually I like to take you out for dinner or lunch. Um, so if you're offering that, usually you would want to pay. But that would be another topic. Maybe girls should be asking guys out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before we wrap things up, um, I've uh, noticed you've uh, done some push-ups lately, Eric. Uh, no, not really, but, uh, I do go to the gym. <laughs> Your arm seems to have, uh, grown a bit from the last time we've met. Uh, no, not, not really. I still have pretty skinny arms, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I, I do hit the gym once in a while, and I think everybody should. That's, uh, good to know. 
Any other exercise you've been up to lately? Um, no, no, no. I mean, just regular exercise. I do a little bit of yoga in a while, but oh, okay. mm. but just. What gym do you go to? Uh, crunch. I don't stop oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> don't stop me. <laughs> cool, cool. Alrighty, so uh, thank you everyone for listening this week. And do you have any uh, final thoughts, Eric? Um, this was fun. I do it again. Let me know next time. Uh, okay, and um, again. Leslie, what book are we reading again? We are reading Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. So if anyone wants to uh, join us in reading that book, we'll be covering it maybe next week or maybe two weeks from now. Maybe two weeks from now. Um, we might have a July 4th holiday. But anyways... Thank you, Eric, for uh, joining us, and we will talk again on a later date. Adios.